1: The World Cricket Show is proudly sponsored by Newbury Cricket, quality bat makers since 1919.
0: That was good. That was good, that one. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time.
1: And cricket. Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show, the world's favorite cricket show. My name is Adam Bayfield and as the host of a cricket podcast, I'm getting pretty fed up with the lack of anything to talk about this summer. And the man tasked with dreaming up some content from somewhere is Tony Kerr. Yeah, really scraping the barrel this week. What's been a,
0: what's been going on?
1: <laughs> nothing really, Tony. There's talk nothing. To me. There's nothing to talk about. So it's probably just going to be like 45 minutes of your weekend.
0: And that's actually quite a lot
1: to talk about from your weekend as well. But perhaps we we might say that to, to the end of the show. Because that was all a big joke, Tone. There's lots of cricket to discuss. There's a whole load of cricket to talk about. Are you ready? Strapped in. As with our podcast after the World Cup final, uh, there is a bit of a danger that this could become a, you know, a fairly one-sided conversation. I've got quite a lot to say about this, Tone. Uh,
0: well, I'll try and chip in. Although... Just to sort of warn you, you know, we're we're obviously a couple of days after the event, I'll be the wacky world of Channel Island sport, which I need to keep an eye across. Uh, Jersey Rugby Club are currently playing in Moscow against Russia. So I'm going to have to keep an eye on that, but I will try and, uh, yeah, I'll try and temper your enthusiasm along the way. So Tony's just watching (laughs) a rugby match while we record
1: this podcast. Uh, which is useful. It's not ideal timing. I mean, it's annoying as well because I was going to say like that it's probably going to be quite a one-sided conversation, but that might be quite useful because you know, you can just uh, chip in here and there You know, if you've got any kind of emails you need to catch up on or whatever. And I was going to suggest, why don't you kind of nip out and grab us a coffee or something like <laughs> that? But actually, it sounds like you've got more important things to do watching the rugby. Well, I'll keep you updated. This is good, isn't it? If you're listening to a podcast, what you really want is uh, one of the hosts to be uh, watching TV well, while he records. No, I'm I'm listening to you. Carry on. Wait for you to fire some questions at me. <laughs> It'll be over to you to kind of stop me if I'm talking too much, Tone. If I've been if I've been talking for like 15 minutes without taking a breath, like my face starts going purple, maybe step in.
0: I've got a glass of cold water ready to throw on you. it be interesting to
1: see the possession stats at the end of this podcast, won't it? Uh, all right, well, let's get into it. I mean, what a summer of cricket we're having, Tone. We thought it would be a big summer of cricket. There was a lot of, you know hope and expectation leading into it that this could be a a kind of once in a generation summer for cricket in England, a home World Cup followed immediately uh, by an Ashes series. So yes, sky high expectations coming in. But so far, at least, they've not only been met, you'd have to say they've been surpassed because after possibly the best ODI ever uh, saw England win the World Cup final, what had already been a very enjoyable Ashes series Pretty much exploded uh, on Sunday with a uh, with a quite jaw dropping finish to the third test at Headingley. Um, you, look, I keep looking at you. Look, so you're frowning. You look concerned, and I, I worry that I'm sort of saying the wrong thing, or that I might have you know lost my touch podcasting. But I think actually, I have Jersey almost conceded a try. Really. That <laughs> that's
0: I mean? cool going on? I <laughs> know uh, um, oh it's interesting. Okay, well, yeah. no, go on, go oh. on,
1: go on. No, you jump in, Tane. I, I, I want you to to to
0: jump in here or there. Well, yeah, I mean, there's no way I don't think to accurately sum up how good those, particularly those two days of cricket, have been. Uh, and, it, and it's so funny going back to earlier in the summer. You can, I mean, you probably could go back to it and, and see what we were talking about. But certainly, there was uh, you know moderate hopes for the World Cup, which at certain stages of the tournament, probably it was under delivering for us. Obviously, then just the most insane match. You've ever seen in the final, and then I think as well moderate expectations going into this Ashes series off the back of uh, you know some some uh, a fairly forgettable series or at least sort of empty feeling series you know over the last few years, but then to come into what probably dependent we well, you know we've got two tests to go, but what could be putting even that last day aside, you know is is a classic classic Ashes series. It's even better than we hoped. Is is that what you are saying? Way beyond, yeah. Mm and so many there are, yeah so many uh just so many lines in the or plot lines you know if you were, if you were trying to or if it was a tv show you know it would be a tv show with lots of plot lines i'm trying <laughs> to think of one that darts around all over the place it'd be like a, an arrested development right of that serious very serious right dramatic cricket so more like
1: you know like an eastenders or a coronation street
0: Somewhere between the two, I think, mm. yeah.
1: It's just been an extraordinary summer of cricket so far, hasn't it? And there's, you know, we're about to go into September and there's still two Ashes tests to come. So it's been a long summer of cricket as well. You know, it's been a, a feast, hasn't it? Well, I mean, let's get into the into this third test then. I'm sure everybody listening knows what happened, but just to bring us all onto the same page, and we've actually got three test matches to talk about, Tony, so maybe I could go through them all kind of session by session. Gives you a chance to watch a bit more of the rugby. Um, no, so we'll, let's, let's talk about the third game. So Australia came into the test at Headingley 1-0 up in the series after some, well, some downright sorcery from Steve Smith. Twin hundreds at Edgbaston uh, gave Australia a relatively comfortable victory there. But England had fought back really well at Lords, thanks to a, a sensational debut from Jofra Archer, World Cup hero, of course. Uh, who touched 96 miles per hour and struck Steve Smith on the neck, putting him out of the rest of the game and the following game. Uh, but a combination of some dodgy weather and some some dogged resistance from concussion substitute Marnus Labashain uh, allowed the Aussies to hold on for a draw at Lord's. So Australia went to Headingley with the opportunity to retain the Ashes at the earliest possible opportunity uh, if they won. So it was all on the line, really. England won the toss, elected to bowl first, which was a, a bit of a gamble, but they'd have been, at the end of the first day, they'd have been pretty happy with their day's work. They bowled Australia out in the end for 179. Jofra Archer, the hero, again taking six for 45. But day two... Uh, at Headingley was one of the worst days in the history of English cricket. They were all out for just 67, the fourth time in the last 18 months that they've been bowled out for less than 100. Um, Josh Hazelwood took five for 30. Absolutely dismal obituaries being written for England's Ashes, hopes for some of the England players' careers. They kept themselves just about in it with the ball in Australia's second innings, bowling Australia out for 246. Ben Stokes with three for 56. And then England's chasing 359 to win produced one of the most remarkable performances in test history. First, Joe Root and Joe Denley with some real resistance on the third evening. They both made half centuries. And then on the fourth day, Ben Stokes. It was just all about Ben Stokes. Uh, first of all, he's, he dug in. What did he score? About two runs in his first 50 balls. Uh, but then with a, a flurry of lower order wickets, he went up through the gears and, smashed some sixes at the end and put on a partnership of 73 runs with last man Jack Leach uh, to get England improbably to the target uh, and a one wicket victory. That was, Tone, England's highest ever successful run chase in Test cricket. It levels the scores at one all, and it was just an extraordinary day. It was absolutely breathtaking stuff. We've talked about this a little bit already, but I mean, how much more of this can we take
0: this summer? Uh, uh yeah there's just there's something so particular about the feeling you get when it looks like it, it reminds me of it reminds i think i might have made this analogy before <laughs> to the Un- unlikely probably to. have unlikely that uh, we'd say the same thing twice but it podcast. reminds me of playing like sonic when i was a kid and like you get <laughs> as far as you've ever got in the game or on a level or whatever and you, you know uh, and you, ne- you never thought you'd get that far and the further you get or the closer you get to the end, the more nervous you get. And you start to feel like it's this kind of like, I don't want to move. I don't want to even like, I, you know, I've just frozen. Uh, that And that's kind of, the, you know, that's the best way I could uh, describe what Ben Stokes did. Because, you know, <laughs> yeah. it was, it was, Poetry, yeah, so. when the ninth wicket fell, it was so far, we were so far away that you just thought, well, yeah, it, okay. It's gone now. And the, mm. the, the, the hopes of uh, various stages had built up over that final day. Yeah. We're looking like vanishing. And then obviously that, you know, the closer they got and you were sort of waiting, you're thinking like, you know, when's, when Stokes gonna, you know, is he going to go for it? When's he going to switch, switch up a few gears that came well, blow by blow. It got closer and closer and Then you. Yeah. Those last kind of sort of 30 runs were, was just, yeah. Inescapably tense. I mean, at what point did you
1: think it was gonna happen? Like um, when did you go that, from, this is...
0: Two to win. Ex- really? You didn't think before then? Uh, well, no, you, th- you thought, but, you know, the, the, obviously, yeah, we'll talk about it, but, you know, the run-out chance, the drop, you know, the turn down LBW appeal, uh, you know, the, obviously, you know, in the closing stage you've got three moments which could have gone the other way and England would have lost. So I, I don't think you could truly believe until, mm. but, and, yeah, until that last moment. Uh, and it was quite funny. I was watching it on... Uh, someone's phone. There's about twenty men crowded around in a in a indoor library bit at the Cobo Bay Hotel in Guernsey because <laughs> we were at the 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 hotel uh, in question puts on these balcony gigs in the summer. So a band like they get tribute bands to come over play on the balcony overlooking the beach and the sea, and loads of people turn up and watch it. They're they're great fun days. <laughs> there was a, an ACDC tribute on, so yeah, I was watching that and initially just following the score because you know I was thinking like there's no we're not, gonna, I'm not I wasn't going to watch it. You know, I wasn't going to put my lunch down to, to go and watch it until things got a bit closer. But then we yeah, we went in with about 60 runs needed uh, and watched the, watched the end, yeah.
1: In an indoor library.
0: Yeah, with back to black <laughs> blazing outside.
1: Does this guy know how to party or what? <laughs> that sounds good. I was going to ask you that because I, I knew you were at that balcony gig. What you said there is that you didn't want to put your lunch down uh, to go and watch it. May have been a bit of a liquid lunch possibly because I, I got the impression that you may have been uh, a little greased, as, well, uh, as Gordon McRae would say, because it's just on yeah. my message thread with you. Yeah. The, uh, you, the, you, you just kept using the word special. <laughs> that was special. He's a special cricketer. Special day. I, I was just gulping a lot of bit. And it. Was, and you, know, you, ended, you ended up going, oh, it's just like both of them in 85.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think that was a typo. <laughs> yeah so uh yeah it was, stuff, it was it yeah. was a good day, was it yeah, it was fun I mean it, yeah, it was a good day all around, wasn't it all it, it all came together nicely. it
1: was a bit I watched it on my phone as well, not with twenty other people crowded around in an indoor library, but i I was down the beach because i I had given up when uh arch was out, and then broad was out, what was it second ball? I was like, well, that's it, so we went out and about uh went down the beach, took my my young baby to the beach, uh and then between the house and the beach stokes suddenly came to life and i was like oh god i've got to!" you know th- this might happen i need to drop watch the, the baby so yeah well no the <laughs>
0: Al- flung the baby out elena went, off the phone. A, elena
1: went for a walk elena catch <laughs> i put the cricket on uh, at one point teddy did start squeaking and just kind of shoved this dummy in his mouth i was like just shut up for a second i've got to <laughs> i've got to watch this and actually speaking of of that experience of watching it just a quick word on the coverage I, you know, we we give commentators, we give some of the commentators in cricket a hard time at times. But I think this summer, you know, th- this summer that has been so amazing on the cricket field has really kind of brought the best out of a lot of the commentators and they've really raised their game. I think there's just been some absolutely spine-tingling stuff. You know, the, lots of videos doing around on social media of, of, of the winning moment in the TMS box. I mean, Agni, say what you like about Agni, and a lot of people do, and I don't often agree with his opinions, but he he's a brilliant broadcaster, isn't he? And and you yeah, know, that's a that's an incredible moment watching that. And and on Sky as well, NASA did a great job. And some of the kind of slow mo replays, there's one from Side On of Stokes smashing it for four. He knows it's gone for four straight away, starts celebrating, and then you see the crowd slowly rising behind him. It's just it's extraordinary. And yeah, I just think the, the coverage on all mediums has been brilliant
0: yeah i agree I, I actually you know watching those sixes get bludgeoned uh there was a, it was there were kind of brilliant sixes where the camera and i don't know whether it's because you know it was a full house and the, the crowder but you know the, the camera just slightly loses the ball a few times and it i, I just it just for me added to it that's mm. not criticizing the camera work there by the way <laughs> uh because yeah. it's not easy but like yeah even the the cameras couldn't keep up with mm. with what was going on uh but yeah i know i completely agree it was uh Unforgettable, literally unforgettable. Yeah,
1: and as I say, the whole summer. And you think back to Ian Smith in the World Cup final as well. It was sort of uh, historic commentary, really, wasn't it? The barest of all margins.
0: um Brilliant. It's true. When I close my eyes, all I can hear is NASA saying,
1: "Benjamin Stokes."
0: <laughs> 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 so, uh
1: I mean, it's it's pretty much impossible, I think, to put into words just how good that Stokes innings was did I actually say what I'm not sure I even said what he ended up on it was 135 not out from 219 balls he was at the crease for 330 minutes and he finished with eight sixes he ended up with a strike rate of 61.64 which when you consider uh, his first 100 balls he must have scored about 15 runs does show you just how quickly he accelerated at the end and, and, and that, for me, I think is why the innings was, to use your words, so special, the way he changed gear. like We've seen unbelievable rearguard actions, Brigadier block, you know, Paul Collingwood's done it. Um, A.B. de Villiers uh, in a test match, I think at Adelaide some years ago, batted like five or six hours for about 20 runs. That kind of innings is, is one category of special. And then we've seen other innings, uh, you know, more swashbuckling innings, Adam Gilchrist, those kind of players. But Stokes actually did both in one innings and and when you and then you add into that that he'd actually bowled magnificently well the previous day as well in quite a long spell i mean it was just an astonishing performance was there one shot like what what was the best shot he played do you think or was there one moment you see you didn't think it was going to happen until that final cut for four but was that when was your jaw most on the floor
0: well obviously the the reverse switch hit sweep slog for six was unbelievable uh I think that took it below 50 to win so then you were like well you know maybe it's maybe you know it's for want of a better cliche written in the stars here again but then certainly when he went 4-6-6 and the shots he was playing at that point those kind of just rocking back and it was like he was wielding a giant sword not a cricket bat at that point to me it it was almost he was just swatting it away that just the force behind it and you know they didn't fly deep into the stands, and uh, you know that sort of certainly added to the tension because you know every time you could see the boundary fielders just closing in, mm. uh, and it would just kind of creep through the gap or just just make it over. But yeah, that that four six six, you know. Anyway, yeah,
1: those <laughs> those ones is your answer. Well, he played a ramp shot for six as well, didn't he? I mean, it, it was it was essentially a T twenty innings, but with a test match field, which is pretty difficult you'd have to say yeah it was just i mean th- this is actually the it's very much becoming the summer of stokes isn't it um just like both him in 85 as you would say you know cuz obviously the world cup final as well and like in the past and i've said this on on the podcast in the past i have thought that stokes might be a touch overrated um or at least we've only ever seen glimpses of what he could do that you know he's clearly he's as talented as people say but he's maybe not produced it as consistently as you might think when you actually look at his his averages and stuff like that and and also in in the recent past he hasn't really produced very much at all at least with the bat I mean since so since the Bristol incident and coming back into the team his batting actually until this summer had faded quite badly so uh, before the start of this Ashes series he was averaging 28 in 26 innings since coming back into the team uh, with just five fifties and no centuries. So he was in a pretty lean trot before this summer. But now I mean it's difficult to argue now that he's overrated.
0: I think I mean it's it's it's, it's yeah I mean, it's the summer of Stokes. You'd get pretty short thrift, I think, if you tried <laughs> to make that case on uh on Twitter. Yeah. Chris um, Adams would give me a hard time. You know, he's given England cricket fans two of the greatest days Probably two of the top five best days in English cricket. He deserves every bit of praise and uh, respect he gets. And you know, and it, it, it did. It, you know, everyone says, well, you know, everyone was quick to point out, well, Bearstow deserves a lot of credit for getting Stokes going. Obviously, Leach deserves, and it, and they do. And Leach deserves a huge amount of credit for just being there at the end. You know, you you know what that's like as as a fourteen year old you yeah. with very different situations. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and you know, Root deserves credit because obviously the other players helped getting to the position where they well, where Stokes could do that. But you know, compared to the World Cup final, where it really did feel like it was a, 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 a it was a proper team effort, this was way more about just Stokes, just unbelievableness. Yeah, it absolutely was because it
1: was a it's a it's a historic innings, and if you take it out, England lose by miles. But I would say that the idea that it was just a one-man show does perhaps leave aside not just Root and Denley and obviously Leach, who who stayed with them at the end, but actually the bowlers as well. Because, you know, let's remember England got bowled out for 67 in the first innings. So the fact they were chasing, what, 359, which obviously is a, a huge amount of runs it ended up being their highest successful chase ever. But it is at least attainable. So to get bowled out for sixty-seven and have and still have a an attainable chase, a, a number of runs that teams, you know, is not a world record chase. And um, they weren't set five hundred to win. The only way that's possible is if the bowlers have delivered. And you know, they they bowled Australia out for under two fifty twice. So actually, Archer's contribution and Broad's contribution really shouldn't be forgotten because, you know, yes, this was an incredible fourth innings effort from one man, but. He only had the opportunity to do that because the bowlers kept the minute after they got bowled out for sixty seven
0: yeah i mean that that's that's totally fair you know i yeah you know, it is just obviously the 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 passage of play that will be remembered forever is the the last couple of hours of oh, so course much, yeah. Isn't it? and, that, that and right so, is- yeah
1: and and we mentioned jack leach i mean he's he's sort of England's new hero now i mean England as a as a nation um you know there, it, it's it's an iconic image now isn't it him cleaning his glasses. And I, I liked his quote afterwards that he said, uh, you know, on on why people seem to fall in love with him so much. He said it's because probably because I look like a village cricketer out there, and people can kind of relate to me. And I think that is true, isn't it? You could no one can imagine being Ben Stokes in that situation, but you can imagine being Jack Leach. The look on his face as he was scrambling to get back in, you know, at that missed run out opportunity will live with me forever. I think. Yeah. just the, the the range of emotions from that went through from the scramble to the relief.
0: Uh, yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. The, the guy hasn't, has carved out deliberately or not a kind of special place in cricket history in England, doesn't he? And, uh, and, and, you know, as, as other people said, you know, the opportunity now to, to go on and, and probably play a really big role in where the ashes actually end up. So with the ball. Yeah. So yeah, in terms of the rest of the series, it's, it's all to play for, for, for Leach and, uh, I mean it's the, it's the pressure that situation creates isn't it it's, it's that one, it's the, the closer you get the less you want to lose it and you know obviously no one would have criticised Leach if he got out at any stage really in that mm. at, at, at that point of the match but you know had he got out with sort of 60 to win yeah, yeah. versus 6 to win you know that, that just I, I I can't imagine what would have been going through
1: it's a very good point yeah if, if Cummins had bounced him out with 50 still needed people would have said oh well you know good effort but and then and then look to the batsman but with with two to win if Cummins had bounced them out, yeah, it would have been a very different story, wouldn't it? Just on the subject of uh of that 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 run out that missed run out chance and that that moment. Um and on the subject of relatability as well, I mean how must Nathan Lyon be feeling uh you know, not only having that uh LBW decision turned down and no reviews left, but but that missed run out. I mean uh, I said this on Twitter, on the website twitter.com. Probably the longest shower of Nathan Lyon's life, I would imagine. Uh, what what we have long described as the shower of regret, endlessly usually, usually <laughs>
0: taken after a disappointing
1: night of five side football. Exactly, endlessly shampooing as uh, as you think about all the things that have just happened. And he will he will run through that moment, especially if Australia don't go on to win this series. He will think about that moment a lot in much the same way. I remember watching a documentary, uh, a twenty year retrospective on Euro ninety six when uh, England got to the semi-finals of we year in 96, lost to Germany on penalties and there's a famous moment where the ball slides across the face of an open goal and Paul Gascoigne uh, is inches away, well, you know, maybe one inch away from making contacts and that would have been the, the goal that, that sent England through to the final and uh, in the documentary, they ask Alan Shearer, who was obviously in the England team at that time, do you ever think about that moment and he said every day at least once a day and if Nathan Lyon doesn't you know, if Australia don't go on to win the series, that may well be the case for Nathan Lyon as well, which, you know, in in some ways it's maybe hard to feel a kind of overwhelming sense of sympathy for him. Because as some people, not least uh, Matt Pryor, have pointed out, he's not made himself the most popular and likable member of the Australian team with some of his comments, you know, his comments in 2017 about ending players' careers and stuff like that. But on a human level, I feel like we should feel some sympathy, A, because you should feel some sympathy, but also because that moment is very relatable. Thinking back to the World Cup final and the winning moment there, and we talked about this at the time, that it's easy to take for granted how amazing it is that first Jason Roy and then Joss Butler held their nerve. You know, Roy kind of steadies himself, picks his spot and throws the ball in. Butler has to gather the ball and then take a step and take the bails off. What I'd have done and what you'd have done and what everyone listening to this would have done is panic and mess it up and that's what we'd have all done if we were Nathan Lyon as well and so you've got to feel sorry for him on that score and also just remember that yeah that that ability to hold your nerve is I think to a large extent what makes the heroes the heroes you know it's it's why people say sport is mostly elite sport is mostly mental because it's
0: moments like that yeah it definitely puts that that World Cup moment, World Cup winning moment, into context, doesn't it? And yeah, I mean, there's a lot of nonsense been spoken back and forth between various people in various mediums, uh, haven't there? Since since that, uh, cheese has waded in. Yeah, I, I yeah, I just think everyone needs to just crack on, and uh <laughs> it's it's a kind of it's a bit of a non-story. You know, obviously, both yeah, everyone just needs to sort of simmer down a bit. Like we obviously want people to have a bit of chat and, you know a bit of a bit of you know spike at the right moments you know i don't know i'm sure like obviously lion will be devastated by by the moment but you know deep down he must know he's going to cop a bit of stick for that and he'll he'll get on i don't think he needs people to defend him yeah and also unlike say the world cup final
1: there are still two tests to play in this series and he's got every opportunity you know he can still win the ashes frustrated so he's he's got he has got a chance to yeah, a chance for redemption. Um, but yeah, it's that must have been a very, a very tough moment. I mean, the, and the other thing then was the next ball. He had an LBW appeal turned down that uh, Hawkeye said would have gone on to hit the stumps. Now this has been quite controversial as well. I don't, I don't know what your view is, but there is a bit of a controversy over the ball tracking question about whether you know because it clips the front pad on its way to hitting the back pad, and some people saying, well, no, Hawkeye was was kind of fooled by that because it looks like it is going to miss leg stump but Hawkeye says it's going to hit leg stump and that it may have picked up the trajectory based on, you know, deviation off the front pad. But, you know, some some people in Australia have given Joel Wilson a very hard time for turning that decision down, but other people saying Hawkeye, you know, got it wrong. Uh, Is this another one for you that's just a non-story and move on? Or are you watching the rugby?
0: (laughs) No, I've already moved on. No, a little, I don't know. It's a a little bit of a non-story in a way because... Well, I think it's just somewhere in the middle, isn't it? It's just, it's not as bad a decision probably as it looked initially, you know, now that everyone's scrutinized it to the nth degree. You know, it's an incredible, again, you know, that you talk about pressure, you know, that's for the umpire, you know, they've, they've had a really tough series. So, for yeah. the umpire, so, that, you know, again, that's a huge pressure moment and obviously that's what they are paid the bucks to do. I don't know how big they are, but yeah, it, I, think, I think the further analysis is... is is maybe vindicate a decision a bit more it is it's it's pretty hard to to tell which way is correct i think on that one yeah
1: it's certainly it's not, not there's
0: it, no definitive answer either way it's i think
1: certainly not a howler is it ultimately australia burned their review the previous over with a you know absolutely shocking review uh when the ball pitched about a foot outside leg stump so they do only have themselves to blame in that sense uh, but no i don't think you can i don't think you can uh, be critical of of Wilson there but yeah i mean they've obviously all the umpires have had a pretty terrible series but that's that's not one that's not a that's not an example of it so the question on everyone's lips now tone well two questions actually was this the best test innings of all time, and was this the best test match of all time
0: what do you think you can take those Together or in and, turn, you know, one at a time, whatever you want. And uh, was it the the best? Was it England's best win ever or most important? Was it the most exciting? I don't. Those are all other questions I'm going to throw at you. Okay, well, uh, well you're, you're the one who has to answer them. So, I, I mean, yeah, obviously, it's definitely up there. Like, the, there aren't many. I mean, you mentioned Cusil Pereira before. Quite tough to separate the two in a way. I you know, obviously, they're quite similar, actually. Yeah, yeah, the context of the Ashes, and you know, certainly for for English cricket, you know, obviously. That special stuff from Ben Stokes. And I don't know how many people in England saw Talkus of Prairie's innings. I certainly didn't. I picked up on it, you know, waking up one morning and followed it on the live score. Uh, but when you look at what he did for Sri Lanka, obviously have, have been in dire straits for a number of years now. Uh, you know, first test in South Africa against the bowling attack of uh, Stain, Philander, Rabada, Olofia. And what did he score? 153. Uh, not out, off 309 balls, 12 fours, five sixes in a one-wicket win. You know, that's got to be in the conversation. And at the time, lots of people called that the greatest test innings or what it should probably be up there with. And certainly, you know, it was quite similar, wasn't it? Because it, it, towards the end, he was just like flaying mm. stain around the park. And for the for the context for Sri Lanka, and actually against the, that quality of bowling attack is probably not too far away from what Stokes did. Obviously, Stokes doing it in, in front of a full house at Headingley, Playing the shots he did against, obviously, an amazingly uh, impressive Australian bowling attack in this series—a complete clutch moment, clutch match in the series. Yeah, as far as England innings go, it's 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 obviously right near the top. I don't. Yeah, it's a difficult
1: one that actually. I've, I've slightly mixed feelings about that. Like, as in, do you put the Stokes innings above the Pereira innings just because of? the platform and I don't think we because should because it, well, in a well we've said that about catches though in the past that like Jason Roy in the BPL this year took what is in uh, in sort of pure uh, mechanical terms <laughs> has to be one of the best catches of all time but as in the Bangladesh Premier League it's never for me going to be on the same level as say uh, Andrew Strauss in the 2005 Ashes so the context does matter when and where and how and against who the the thing happens But it's not, you know, to say like, oh, well, Cusa Pereira, it's a good innings, but it wasn't in the ashes. It's like, well, yeah, obviously that doesn't make any sense. And that has annoyed me slightly. I have to say the whole thing
0: I have found a little bit irritating, like the amount of hyperbole. Oh, but yeah, people have lost the plot. Well, just just in life, I think about because, you know, and I did say to you as well, you know, we we have talked about this quite a lot where things are, you know, there's the the recency bias of things that's just happened being Mm. considered the best ever. I mean, in this instance, its it's got to be close and it will be in the conversation for forever, I'm sure, or for a long, long time.
1: Well, that might well be true, but it's, it, it is just this recency bias thing. I mean, yeah, there's this kind of mad rush to declare everything. You know, just declare that this the best thing of all time, that, you know, that that was the best day of all time, it was the best match of all time. So many people have done. Like even the uh, boycott. I think said it was the best day he'd ever seen, and that might well be true. It might be that in six months' time, a year's time, ten years' time, he still says that was the best day he'd ever seen. And as you say, it, it's going to be in the conversation. But recency bias is so strong that that Kusoper earnings that was that was uh, made six months ago, most people talking about this didn't even <laughs> didn't even mention it. I was, away in a way, a little bit worried about getting into this because I don't want to kind of spoil anyone's chips, you know. Like, oh, here comes Captain Kildroy along to tell you why that thing you enjoyed, you know, you shouldn't have done. Uh, like, I'm not saying that it wasn't amazing. I'm not saying don't enjoy it. And, there, like, there's absolutely no doubt, as I say, that it is one of the best. Like, it's almost certainly in the top ten test innings of the modern era. It's probably in the top five. But I also sort of think: Does it matter? I agree. Yeah, does it matter? Uh, yeah. Can, like, can't we just enjoy it? Like people now say, like Vaughan described it as even better than the World Cup final. Well, can't we just enjoy them both? Like, what I suppose in a way, do you just you have to talk about it because you need to talk about something in the aftermath of this? But that was for a lot of people. That was the first
0: thought, and I just think it doesn't really matter. No, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, it is tough to remember, and you know what my memory is like tough to remember an innings like it in terms of that transition from just sheer doggedness and, and and just staying there to switching on the afterburners and finishing like that in the context, in the situation, in with the, the crowd, with the series we've had, uh, with the player in question, the shots, the finish, the closeness of it. I, I, yeah, it's, it's tough. It's got a you lot know. going
1: for it. It's definitely got a lot it's, going it's for it.
0: It's definitely got a lot going for it. And now, as far as the match as a whole, Bob Willis says it's eclipsed, both them eighty five, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah eighty one, uh, and you know you, you can't really disagree. I mean, yeah, you know, and this is a man who has, you know, regularly pans everything mm. to say that you know. Well, I am not say he was involved. Yeah. I and mean, he was there. Exactly, yeah, he, <laughs> he's one of the key players in heading the. 81. Tough to disagree with that. You know, actually, funny. I think. Both them 80. F- no, I'll stop making the joke. Both them 81. Both them's Ashes. Yeah. It's uh, some of the first cricket I watched because I remember my dad. Not in had... 81, you didn't, mate.
1: I've <laughs> I was there.
0: <laughs> I was there. I think you might be wrong about that. Now, I know your memory's <laughs> not great, but I don't think you do remember that. I was on the beers. No, uh no, my dad had the VHS of it. And I don't, I, I can't, I would be lying if I said I remember the first time I watched it. Or even if it was the first cricket I watched. But it's probably the first cricket I can remember watching mm. on VHS and him being like, oh, yeah, you've got to watch this. There's no point, I don't think, in saying, well, this is eclips- eclipses that because that, you know, that's obviously special, hugely special in its own way. As far as the match as a whole, I don't think it eclipses Edgebaston 2005 mm. for me. You know, again, Obviously, it's very important in the series, but that win then, off the back of, was it seven series Australia won in a row? And then they'd won the first test at Lords, having us gone into it thinking, well, you know, this is our chance and whatever. Uh, So just the magnitude of that victory arguably set up English cricket for the next like 15 years, has not it? So it doesn't, in terms of significance of a result against Australia or even the the tightness of the finish and the emotion at the end, and it was obviously a different situation, England needing that last wicket and getting it with two runs to go. Yeah, I don't think, you know, obviously it's, there's not much between them, I don't think, but I still think Edgebust in 2005 is more, it, it's a better test match overall. I think there were the the what led up to that finale, you know, Flintoff's innings. Uh, Flintoff's and, over. Flintoff's over. To Langer and Ponte. Yeah. You know, that, again, that's super special and there's probably, you know, these will be the two best test matches we see for the, I don't know, until the next one. But... I'm going to get you a thesaurus for your birthday, tone. Look
1: up special and uh, find some synonyms. Super special, I suppose, is a slight variation on it. No, I I completely agree with all that, but this is where it gets a bit tricky because, like, yeah, for me, it's not as good as Edgepress in 2005. And in a way, I feel like this is why the hyperbole annoys me because I feel that I have to be like, no, it's actually not as good as you think because everyone's like, well, that's even better than Edgepress in 2005. And it's like, well... It isn't, but this is where it gets a bit tricky because I do have my own biases, which are just as powerful as recency bias. One of them is that I'm so annoyed with recency bias that I kind of refuse to be impressed with anything that's just happened. And yeah, we did have a reverse recency bias a question on Twitter from a listener called Andrew Richards. He says, like, on, on the Stokes innings, if you say it was good, but probably not the best ever, is that just your anti-recency bias bias? And that there may be some truth in that. But there's another thing linked to that, which is nostalgia. So will I always insist that, say, Brian Lara's 153 not out in 1999 was a better innings than this Stokes innings, or that 2005 was a better series than this series because I was young then and I'm nostalgic for that, for those things – you know, in the same way that like baby boomers who stopped listening to music in 1977 are always going to say, you know, are never going to enjoy new music. And I remember in 2005 getting annoyed with like the old farts who were saying that, oh, this isn't as good as 1981. I was like, get over it, mate. <laughs> this is so much better. Because backwards (laughs) cap and you're because on
0: (laughs) your your Sony Walkman or whatever. Get over it, granddad! I shouted (laughs) and then skateboarded (laughs) off. Um,
1: No, for unlike you, I I wasn't alive in 1981 to remember uh, (laughs) to remember that series. So yeah, so I I I am aware that that's the thing. And 2005 was this very kind of special moment in time for us. We just finished school, we'd just done our A levels. It was this kind of long and glorious summer before summer we went of off to university. So that is an issue here. But then you know, having said I have a kind of anti-recency bias, bias, I'm not always so cautious. I mean you're some- a
0: complicated man.
1: Sometimes it's obvious I think that a thing that's just happened is the best thing ever. I did say that I think the World Cup final is probably the best ADI ever. The Federal Nadal Wimbledon final in two thousand eight, instantly it's like, well that is the best tennis match ever isn't it so but when it's obvious but when it's not obvious and I don't think this is obviously the best thing ever so I think you just need to be a bit careful you know when there are other candidates when there is that Lara innings when there is that Kusar Pereira innings when there's Latchman's 281 and all sorts of other candidates I think you need to just think like this happened yesterday so maybe I need to just hesitate before I declare it the best thing ever but and on on whether it's sorry um, this is an example of me talking too much but on whether it's better than 2005 as I say I do have all that nostalgia and it's just that that is a real problem in you know in the idea that something's ever going to be better than that but I do still trying to be objective I do still think that we're some way short of that because all the drama you know as, as, as well as being as good and as dramatic as this headingly test for five matches not just this one that was also probably the best team of all time being kind of taken down by probably the best England team of all time, or possibly the best England team of all time. This is two relatively mediocre teams, or at least two lopsided teams with poor batting lineups and good bowling attacks. You know, kinda of, I don't know, I just I don't think we're we're quite a I
0: don't think either of them are a patch on those two thousand five sides, and that that matters as well. Are you talking about the series as a whole, or this one match or finale? Both, both. Yeah, well, I suppose we don't know because the you know yeah there's the, two, two, two to go. games
1: to go. We might have to I might have to revisit that with two you know at the end of the series. But
0: yeah, I, I, I don't think you're far off. And I, you know that that edge baston test. You know everyone talks about, and we've talked about, and I've been talking about and thinking about all these moments that have led up, and you know all the the quirks of fate and bits of history and you look back to Edgbaston and McGrath treading on the ball and being ruled out and Warren treading on his stumps yeah uh th- you know things you can't you you don't just don't see uh, very often or if at all uh, and they, obviously as a finale as a final whatever it's very different emotions for an england fan you know watching england trying to take that last wicket and you know just being like almost like wrung out uh thinking like yeah we we we're losing it here was very different to Stokes for whatever it was, the best part of an hour or 45 minutes, you know, smashing his way, like almost like for want of a better, most recent thing of like, you know, Jon Snow through the battle of the, what's his name in that TV show we've all forgotten about. Uh, You know, it was that kind of like, it was sort of triumphant kind of, you know, obviously watching, england try and nip out that last wicket was kind of just like you know just you felt yourself shrinking watching it and just thinking like oh no uh and then the release obviously of getting the wicket so i don't don't, yeah obviously different experiences uh but certainly what it meant at the time i think that 2004 yeah because 2005 has to be uh you know has to have the edge still just for over this because we don't know what's gonna happen and but I do think we're in the midst of what is an unbelievable series, and it, again, you know, whatever happens in the next two tests, we don't know. But it's going to be in, it's going to be in the the talking points of the greatest Ashes series ever, surely. You know, just you know, Steve Smith and Joffrey Archer and obviously Stokes at Headingley. Mm. You know, the the narratives of it have just been gripping the whole way along well
1: exactly like so whether or not it's better than 2005 it's certainly the best since 2005 and you know and in the end it doesn't matter as i say it doesn't matter there's no objective way of determining which is better in the end it's personal to you you know kids who are 18 now and don't remember 2005 are gonna say this one aren't they and that's fair enough um but yeah just just for me in my opinion it's not quite that but Let's enjoy it in its own right. It's still amazing. And, you know, will we still be talking about this test match in 14 years' time, in 38 years' time? Very probably. So, yeah, let's, uh, let's leave it at that. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. the ashes are now alive. We were, you know, we were a, a Nathan Lyon fumble away from Australia, retaining them. It's now one all with two to play. What now? What happens now?
0: Yeah. You mentioned not agreeing with some of slash a lot of occasionally what Jonathan you says, I think in his column the day after this match, he said, well, England now will go on and march on to win the series, which is very confident. I, yeah. I, it's very hard to predict, isn't it? What's going to happen now? Uh, because for England to, to march on and win the series, yeah, you know, confidently, obviously the batting's going to have to improve drastically. Steve Smith comes back. Yeah, England have got to find a way of getting him out. Otherwise, they're not going to win
1: nowt, mm. are they? Well, and also, yeah, given that Australia only need to draw the series to retain the Ashes, unless there's a draw, which is not impossible. We've had one already. It's going to be September. There could be rain, etc. But unless there's a draw, England have got to win both games to win the Ashes. Is that, that likely, given their batting. You know, how how many more kind of all-time great test innings can they expect to kind of <laughs> bail them out? And, it, you know, this stakes innings has papered over the cracks a bit, hasn't it? All right, yeah. Reid and Denny got stuck in, but they did get pulled out for 67 in the first innings. And they just have all kinds of problems in the batting. I mean, what what about Jason Roy at the top? Do, you know, he's obviously had a miserable series. I think he's now got the worst test average of any opener ever. Do you stick with him?
0: What do you do with Roy? It's hard because, you know, I definitely think Roy's got a place in test cricket. You know, he's too good not to. And, you you know, I, yeah, I, I think he's got a place. But then you look at someone like Labochain coming in for Smith. Uh, you know, obviously bringing in a player to replace Roy is a different situation. But then you see someone comes into a series and does immediately well. So, you know, will England regret it if they play Roy for the, the last two tests and he doesn't get a run? even if he goes on to have a great career in Test cricket, you know, is now the time to twist off the back of this with the fresh impetus, you know, the the inspiration of, of what they've just seen with with Stokes. I mean, yeah, who it is, I don't know, but it is now the, the, the time to make the change.
1: To to bring someone new in. Also, because it could, it could potentially ruin Roy for Test cricket, you know, possibly even for white ball cricket if it kind of shatters his confidence if he has another two very poor... And, and unfortunately, I do think it was somewhat predictable that this might happen? Like it, as we said, on, as I said on the preview, it was a <laughs> it was a real gamble. It was more of a gamble than I think was you know was suggested to to essentially give him his debut against this very good Australian bowling attack. When he is someone who does who is gonna nick off and is gonna you know is gonna struggle to leave the ball enough and that kind of stuff. So, uh, having brought him into the team, I, I do think he possibly deserves to be given the whole series but maybe not at the top, maybe in the middle order, because even Root and Bayliss have said they think he's better suited to the middle order, which is a quite extraordinary situation to then ask him to open the batting. So he could maybe slide down to six, in which case you're looking at Joss Butler to maybe drop out, who's having a very poor series. So, And I'm not really sure what Butler's role is in this team, you know, now back at seven. Um, so that might be what I'd do and look at bringing in Sibley. But that's obviously a gamble as well. Um, so if there's no easy solutions here, but I do think they've got to do something because this Stokes innings has kept them in it, but he's not going to be able to do that every time. And you know, they, they just have looked nowhere near good enough <laughs> the rest of the time really have they, um, with the bat, not so much with the ball. Uh, uh, a quick word on, uh, Jofra Archer. I've got a question here, Tone. How good is
0: Jofra Archer? <laughs> uh, Oh, god i don't know we don't know no one knows i don't think yeah but very yeah up there with very for sure <laughs> yeah i mean it's again you know it's it's amazing when you think about all the stuff that's happened in this series already but that archer spell at lords you know on, on its own would have been one of the most memorable moments in a uh if nothing else had happened one of the most memorable moments in an ashes series ever just to have delivered that so early on is hugely exciting and yeah, well, I mean, just as a character as well and, and as a personality, what an unbelievable asset he is uh, to the England team. And you, you talk about absorbing passage of play, but yeah, him, him hitting 90 plus for mm-hmm. whatever it was, 20 balls in a row, or having yeah. And, and touching 96 was, it's just stupid, isn't it? Well, he's,
1: as- he's rattled the Aussies, I think. I mean, he obviously wasn't quite as quick at Headingley as he was at Lords, but he said that was very, uh, a very conscious thing that he brought his pace down because of the conditions that he didn't need to bowl as fast obviously took wick, six wickets, so that was the, the right decision, you would say. Um, but I think, you know, the Aussies knowing that he has that in his locker, I mean, it, it, it to me, it feels somewhat reminiscent of Mitchell Johnson in the 2013 series and that he just spooked England, didn't he? Bowling so fast, kept hitting them on the head, on the body. Uh, and that was all they were thinking about when they were going out to bat and they played weird shots against the other bowlers as well because they were terrified of Mitchell Johnson. And it could be that something similar is happening here but obviously the other way around uh you know with the the team's reverse which is nice for england fans although that being said like Marnus labashane played him very well has got hit on the head a couple of times as has stuck to his task so you know it's maybe not quite to that extent but um he is archer is just such a weapon and and I, he's not been alone i, I think stuart broad's been Superb. He's bowled as well in these four tests this summer as I've seen him bowl for a very long time. So, Mister Ashes isn't and uh, Anderson to come back as well. Like the England bowling attack is there. It's just the batting. But we knew that coming. Like nothing's changed really, has it? We knew that. We've known that for years. <laughs> so with two tests to go, they just need they need something to change. And what about Australia? I mean, how do they how do they pick themselves up after this? we talked about Lyon? He'll have been devastated. The whole team will have been devastated. I was impressed with the way Tim Payne. Conducted himself after was very uh, magnanimous in defeat. Perhaps could have done more with his captaincy on that final day to kind of, or you know, during that Stokes innings to kind of stem the tide. But he's certainly taken it on the chin. Well, I mean, do you think they'll they'll bounce back from this? (laughs) Smith to come back, as you say.
0: Yeah, I mean that's a that's a bonus, isn't it? Obviously, Uh, yeah, yeah. I thought I don't know. I think Payne's probably copped a bit of unfair stick off the back of this because again, you know, in that situation when, you know, you've got a player coming at you like that, almost out of the out of the bushes, I don't know if that's... You know, just out of the, you know, out of the undergrowth. Yeah. You know, I, you, you haven't got a lot of time to think. And, I, I, yeah, I guess you could have said, well, you know, a great, a truly great captain would have responded in the right way and, and, you know, and found the way to finish the game off. But, yeah, I, I don't think it can be too harsh uh, when you've seen something quite special as that. And when you think there was... <laughs> There was, you know, there was a drop catch, and obviously the run out as well, the the review that didn't go their way. You know, they've they've probably got a bit unlucky there, yeah, uh, in a sense. So, yeah, I don't think we can be too too harsh on them. And, and you know, as far as Australia go as well, you know, it is a different situation, isn't it? If you're, you know, if your bowlers, if they, if they were thinking, well, we're going to struggle to take twenty wickets, we've missed our chance. We're going to struggle to take twenty wickets in the next match. Then you you're probably thinking like, well, we could be under, but you know, they'll be thinking. We'll have these England batsmen again, and all we need is Steve to score a few runs, and we'll be fine. Yeah, they, they, they sort of feel that
1: they've got the England batting lineup on toast. That second innings at Headingley was was an aberration, and that's probably true. And it, that's remarkable when you consider that, in my opinion, they've still not played their best bowling attack in this series. You know, Stark hasn't played yet. Stark, Hazelwood, Cummins is for me their best lineup. Although that being said, Stark possibly gets better not being in the team. He hasn't had the best time of it in test cricket for a little while but yeah uh, that might well be the the three that they play uh in the final two games and you know that is an even scarier prospect i think for the england batsman and smith coming back i mean the batting you know has just about done enough for the most part but it hasn't been outstanding and without smith it's obviously uh it's much weaker and warner's having a very poor series and he Stuart broads uh got his number what do you? I know we're running out of time a bit here, time. But what what do you think about the fact this is something we've not had a chance to talk about yet, uh, and it has been uh, a controversial point during the series. What, what do you think about the fact the the booing of of Smith and Warren, and the fact that it's still going on? It obviously you know, Smith got booed off, not by the whole crowd, but by some people. Got booed off even when he retired, hurt, having been hit on the neck. What do you make of all that? There's there's a pretty ferocious booing still going on. Some people would say it's disgraceful. some people would say it's all part of the game. It's pantomime booing or that they deserve it. they're cheats. What's your view?
0: I don't know i I probably would have booed you know the, the first time they came out. I don't know, you'd have been a bit greased at that point, so yeah, yeah <laughs> but uh, I mean, yeah, in a, in a pantomime sense, but then you know the 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 joke's kind of over, I don't know if it yeah if it's but, yeah, obviously no one should have booed. Smith coming off hurt, that's just, you yeah, know, moronic. I think it was just a few morons, to be fair. It yeah. It wasn't the whole crowd. Yeah. You know, people probably, you know, there would be some people at the cricket, as you say, who are a bit greased and and probably wouldn't, you know, wouldn't boo him, you know, on a, on a 11 o'clock on a Tuesday morning, but 11 o'clock on a Thursday morning after a couple of beers. I don't know. Yeah. It, it's not, it is just pantomime, though, isn't it? It's not, I, I'm sure they would. It's not been done in actual... No, it might be actually. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, I think in some ways it is because I think there
1: is a sense um, from some people that, you know, these are cheats and they shouldn't be here, they shouldn't be playing. In a way, I can see the point that being told to stop booing Smith after he scored those hundreds doesn't necessarily make make much sense because he's either a cheat, you're either booing him because he's a cheat or you're not like the fact that he scored runs doesn't actually change that picture. But for me, I just think, I don't think it's disgraceful. I do think to a large extent it is pantomime. Ricky Ponting used to get booed just because he was Ricky Ponting.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. You know, the, uh, like I don't think Australians, and uh, you know, and some of my best friends are Australian. <laughs> uh, I don't think, you know, obviously the Australian public, inverted commas, down the years have given, you know, unfair cop. To, so you know to, I mean, it's all just part of the it's all part of the chat it's know? part of it so yeah I, I don't
1: have a problem with it i just personally find it a bit tedious yeah but i agree I, That's, I, yeah. I just think at this point get over it and i also think as we talked about at the time with that whole sandpaper scandal for me the bands were just so grossly out of proportion with what they did it, i thought what they did was wrong you know they they did cheat they deserved to be punished but year bands were just way out of proportion. And actually, I think those bands were counterproductive in terms of achieving what they wanted to achieve. Because for me now, when I think, the main thing I think about when I think about that whole episode is that they were harshly treated. The the crime they actually committed has in a sense been kind of swamped by the- Sympathy now. Yeah, the disproportionality of what happened. I've just, I've, as you say, I felt sympathy. For the fact that they
0: got this ridiculous punishment, add to that the fact that, you know, in Steve Smith we are recency biased aside. You know, we're obviously we're witnessing a modern great, mm. and you know, for whatever happened, you know, obviously we were denied. The world of cricket was denied Smith for a, for a year, uh, but you know, when you consider what he's done so far and and standing up to Archer and and you know the rights and wrongs of whether he should have come back out, whatever you know. You sort of you can't only you can only really have respect for him. Hmm. So, uh, and and you know, I think we said it in the preview, Did we say it in the preview? But whilst he's you know, obviously, obviously a really scratchy player at times, very idiosyncratic. Obviously the the viral or you know his leaves that went viral. Uh, he's still an amazing player to watch to do his thing, uh, and he's playing his part in you know in the passages of play with Archer and whatnot. He's playing his part in in some of like the most memorable cricket will ever see so
1: certainly since both them 85 exactly so with two tests left to play then tone one all where's
0: your money now uh i don't i don't, I don't know i don't know i still feel like australia are going to come out on top Well, i I think i called three two before the series you called three one to australia did i hmm should we just read, record that bit well, to, again to make it look like I can
1: remember what I said? No, I think we'll just carry on. Well, anyway, oh, actually, done. I may have misremembered that. I'm pretty sure you said that's three. Better
0: one. then, because it could well still be three one.
1: <laughs> yeah, it could be. Well, it, it could. It couldn't be three two. um I also I predicted two all, and it could be that. I still find it hard to believe that England are going to win both of these games, so, but there could there could be a draw in which case they only have to win one. So as you say it's really hard to predict it's all to play for and that's very exciting we are as much as this has been a fantastic ashes series one of the best ever we were we were a nathan Lyon fumble away from it being over even for australian fans i would hope that they might be excited about the fact that it's still alive and it you know this is certainly the best ashes series in the last 10 years and that that's something to really enjoy
0: yeah exactly uh two more of these to go Can you handle it? You know, everyone's going to be plugged in, aren't they, to uh, that or Trafford? Could be special. It could be very special. (laughs) Well, that brings
1: us, I think, to the end of the show, Tane. How's the rugby going?
0: Uh, I think they're saying Jersey 35, Russia 17. I didn't know you spoke Russian. (laughs) There's a lot I don't
1: know about you, Tane. I didn't realize you were. I didn't realise you were 48 years old uh, <laughs> until we started recording this today. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much it, I think. So, Except to say that uh, the Ashes isn't the only test cricket happening around the world at the moment. There's a couple of other series going on. New Zealand have just beaten Sri Lanka in Colombo to earn a series draw there. And India have comprehensively won the first test against the West Indies in Antigua to go one and up in that series with one to play. After the way West Indies played against England six months ago, Tone, I thought that this India series could be a real cracker, but uh yeah, in in this game, they didn't really turn up. Still one to play, but um Bumrah did for them. Uh, now, now, of course, those series mark the start of the Test Championship. We haven't really spoken that much about the Test Championship, uh, but it's it's underway now the very complicated points table is gradually being filled in uh we will talk about this in some depth but we don't have time now so we're gonna have to save that for another time but it's uh i've got a lot to say tain yeah my girlfriend wants me to put the oven on as well (laughs) just to add into the mix you've got a lot going on i'm under pressure (laughs) (laughs) well let's uh let's wrap it up then we should be able to keep up a bit more of a schedule now I think things are starting to calm down a little bit. In your our, baby's fending for himself. It's time to cut the apron strings, really, isn't it? <laughs> he's about he's be doing his GCSE scene, So, listeners will probably know that yeah, I had a baby the other day, five weeks old. Now you've been throwing yourself into helping out with the childcare. So you had a you had a bit of a cuddle with him the other
0: day. He's a very sweet thing. <laughs> I've
1: never seen you look more nervous than when that baby was past you. You clamped your tongue between your teeth. And started sweating profusely. Yeah. As, I mean, as you held him.
0: You know, under the scrutiny of you <laughs> and uh, your girlfriend, you know, you're, you're both looking on with interest. Let's just put it that way. And, and Teddy was being passed to me by London correspondent Gordon McCray. So I did like, you know, can you really trust his hands? I That's true. Yeah. I can't say I'm confident yet. Of the baby carrying malarkey. You had him for about five seconds, then you went, Should we pass you back? the head just goes everywhere at once, isn't it? It's just like when he's got functioning neck muscles, then I'll be I'll be feeling more confident.
1: All right. Well, yes, that does bring us to the end. If you enjoy the world cricket show, there are various ways you can get more involved on the internet. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash cricket show. We're on Twitter at cricket show. We're on Instagram at world cricket show. You can send us an email, worldcricketshow at gmail.com. And if you'd like to support the show, you can do that in two ways. One of them with your cash, patreon.com slash cricket show. You can sign up to uh, pledge a a regular donation, which uh, helps to keep us going. Uh, Or the other way, which doesn't involve any financial transaction whatsoever, is just to uh, leave a rating and a review on iTunes or whatever podcast platform you use, because that is a really good way of bringing new people to the show. So thank you to everybody who has done that but yeah that's it Tone thanks for having me around it's really hot in here it's again. really hotted up isn't it it's a real it's hotted up indeed hot takes hot it's, room it's a, it's a muggy day and it's boiling in here and you're about to put the oven on so enjoy that stay in school everyone enjoy the cricket back after Lords <laughs> Old Trafford <laughs> you just don't know any facts do something you something happened that was the de- deliberate gag <laughs> yeah back soon Bye for now, guys.
0: Cheers. to us. smell your fear.